I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello. Welcome to Jewel Says. I'm Julie, the mother of a 40-year-old woman. Yes, it's true. TV's Catherine Ryan turned 40 last week, and I can't believe how fast those years flew by. I'm sure you feel the same if you have grown children. And if you have babies and you're exhausted, you might feel as though time is standing still. And I completely understand that. It really irritated me when mine were babies and people would say, enjoy this time. It doesn't last. And I was just exhausted. And I did enjoy it. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, I would just think to myself, shut up. I am so tired. I doze off at red lights. I do not want this to last. Well, that was the part I didn't want to last. I didn't want the sicknesses to last. I didn't want those things to last. But you have to take the good and the bad. I enjoyed raising my children, but if I'm perfectly honest, I did find the exhaustion, and particularly when they were babies, very challenging. I married Catherine's father when I was 22, which seems young to me looking back now, but at the time, I felt very old, very mature. I'd been working full-time for four years. I'd lived on my own, meaning not with my parents, for four years. I'd lived with and extricated myself from two awful relationships, and I thought, now I know better. I thought I was ready to commit for life and raise a family. I felt as though I was truly a grown-ass woman. The thing is, my career was still a non-career. I was still profoundly insecure. I was still making decisions not based on what I wanted, but what I thought others wanted from me. I was still drinking too much, socially smoking too much. Well, any smoking is too much. And I was starving myself to stay thin. I had no business becoming a mother, being fully responsible for a tiny, helpless human being. But I did it anyway. Are you ever really ready for motherhood? I had a friend who commented on how crazy it was for another of my friends to become a father for the first time at age 55 
And my response to him was, well, I don't think it's any more crazy than becoming a father at 18, as he had done. It may seem that being someone's parent is no big deal, almost inconsequential. After all, there are billions of people in the world, so how hard could it be? Yet, I don't think we're ever truly ready for it. It's true that having a baby can derail your life, particularly if you're very young. But having a baby can also stabilize your life. And maybe you don't know whether you're going to be derailed or stabilized until you're in it and you have no choice. I was terrified during the time I was expecting Catherine. She was born nine months and two weeks after my wedding to her father in the midst of the early 80s financial crash. Unemployment was rampant. Interest rates were hovering in the 20% range. I was working full-time and for a part of my pregnancy, cleaning offices at night to make ends meet. I was terrified that I wouldn't know how to take care of a baby properly. I was already worried that my new husband and I may not be well-suited for each other, but with a baby on the way, we had to make it work. I was so hungry, and the only foods that eased my nausea were what my disordered eating had classified as verboten or festival food, potatoes, bread, crackers, arrowroot biscuits. I felt guilt and shame about gaining weight, about eating potatoes. That was all part of my insecurity and my emotional immaturity. But as much as I tried to hide those feelings, I knew they were irrational. So I did try to hide them, but sometimes my distress leaked, only to be met with comments like, well, where the fuck did you think you were going to grow a baby out of your fucking ear? <sighs> no, I just thought that maybe I could hold my stomach in and no one would notice. On top of that was my four-week trip to Ireland, where I felt completely foreign and vulnerable, which is very silly when I look back on it now. I can't imagine what refugees and immigrants from completely different cultures who don't speak the language go through. I had no idea how incredibly privileged I was at the time, but that was the olden days. All we knew about the world was from what we had learned in school, which we now know is selective, the news, newspapers, magazines, and books. We didn't have the unrelenting onslaught of global information back then. We were insulated from a lot of the world's troubles. Poor Catherine. Does a baby feel mum's anxiety before it's born? Does adrenaline cross the placenta? It probably does. No surprise then that, 40 years ago, when Catherine was born, after a short 12-hour but very intense induced labor, she looked me in the eye with angry intensity, eyes wide open, and screamed at me. Free at last, she seemed to be saying. And I think the first thing I said was, I'm not pregnant anymore. And I had never felt better. I felt elated, almost high. I think when the endorphins are coursing through your system and the pain shuts off like a switch, as a natural birth does, you do feel a bit high. And she was a beautiful baby. She had huge navy blue eyes, which were wide open, taking everything in from day one. A nice, healthy 8 pounds, 11 ounces. I was 23 when Catherine was born. My baby stabilized my life. I could no longer starve myself or I felt sick. Drinking too much was certainly out of the question. It made me too tired to take proper care of her. 
I still smoked and had a few drinks occasionally, but only in moderation. I poured my heart and soul into being a good wife and mother. I sincerely felt that I had to make the marriage work for her. I already spent too much time away working, so I no longer even wanted to spend time with my friends. Her father golfed, but that wasn't for me. Why don't you golf too, people would ask. I do not have time for a four-hour daytime hobby. As if. Every day of my life was full. I did laundry almost every night to keep up. Weekends felt like a 48-hour marathon as I fit in grocery shopping, housework, laundry, ironing, all of that stuff, trying to have everything finished by Sunday night. I read stories, played on the floor, played at the park, rocked, talked, and sang to Catherine, kissed and hugged her constantly, dressed her up, agonized over projectile vomiting for the first six weeks, her inability to sleep through the night until she was three, what I was doing wrong, and I had lots of advice from books as well as people, including my mom. You're not going to breastfeed, are you? She'd say with the cigarette in her hand. That's barbaric. Catherine had chronic ear infections. Unfortunately, I would say in retrospect, she had too many antibiotics because of that. The thing is, I loved my baby so much more than I had imagined possible. I felt guilty for not having understood how much my mother Dorothy loved us. I'm so sorry, Mom. I didn't know. And I made mistakes along the way. We all do, no matter how hard we try, because we're human. I expected far too much from Catherine at far too young an age. She lived up to those expectations, but maybe it was still too much pressure. Because she learned to speak so very young, I also expected a level of emotional maturity that just wasn't fair. I expected her to be well-behaved, and she was a perfect angel until her teens. She was funny, fun, the most amazing, attentive, entertaining big sister— and she was so clever. I know parents are biased when it comes to their children, but I think one of the bad things about me is that I can be actually objective. Shouldn't your mother always view you as the best at everything? I wasn't like that. I could see each of my children's strengths and challenges. I may have pushed a little too hard at times, but I had what I felt were legitimate reasons. Number one, I have so many regrets about not having had the opportunities to take music and dance lessons as a child. I just really, really love showbiz. I think a lot of parents fall into the trap of expecting their children to achieve what they themselves didn't. I just didn't want them to feel that I had not given them opportunities. Two, Catherine was the kind of person who did not like doing things she wasn't immediately good at. For example, one year she wanted a scooter. She wanted a scooter so badly, but when she finally got it for her birthday, she wasn't immediately able to ride it easily or do any of the tricks she had seen on TV, so she threw it on the ground in disgust. It was important to me that she learn tenacity, that she learn to, that she learn it's normal and expected to have to work at something, to put in the time. I probably didn't have to push her, though, because it turns out that she most certainly does work hard, pick herself up, and keep trying. It's just that she reserves that effort for things that matter enough to her. And I suppose that scooter didn't really matter that much at the end of the day. Three, 
Catherine was a very talented child. I worried that if I didn't give her a little nudge, she wouldn't cultivate her gifts. This made piano lessons non-negotiable. Making her practice caused a bit of friction, which I now regret, but at the time, I sincerely thought I was doing the right thing. I admit that I pushed the little ones less, I think partly because I got busier and more tired with each one. Don't get me wrong, I wasn't some monstrous stage mother by any stretch. I never entered my children in baby beauty pageants. That is an old bit of artistic license. I encouraged them to try things I wasn't necessarily interested in. T-ball, soccer, basketball, golf. Even sent them to basketball camp, much to Carrie's chagrin even to this day. Well, we laugh about it now. So yeah, I made mistakes, but I always thought my mistakes through, and I meant well every step of the way. I enrolled Catherine in a French language school because she was so bright and so articulate. What better way to learn a second language than to be immersed in it? I also thought she'd be bored at an English language school, and I worried boredom would turn her off school at an early age. Because they mostly play in kindergarten, and I recalled how annoying that had been for me. I did not want to play with those other children. I just wanted to learn how to read. And at four, Catherine already had a better grasp of the English language than a lot of adults. She could count. She was regularly calling Grandma Doroth on the wall phone. She knew all the shapes, including hexagons and pyramids. She could play cards. She was an engaging conversationalist. She was my little best friend. I mean, I had friends at work, but my life was pretty much exclusively work, home, shopping for the family, errands, and Joanne wasn't born until Catherine was three and a half, so Catherine was my companion. She came with me to run all my errands, pretty much everywhere except work. I gave her rubber gloves and a cloth to search for fingerprints on the walls while I cleaned. She stood on a stool with her own toy sink as I did dishes. She helped me paint. She climbed up on my back while I wallpapered. Every night after bedtime stories, I would lie with her and ask her about her day. I heard about what went on at daycare, then school, who pushed whom down the slide, who embarrassed themselves by kicking off. We would discuss what we thought of what had gone on. She didn't just relate stories and leave it at that. She grasped concepts that I now know others her age may not have. And she always made me laugh. She was a little put out when Joanne was born, but quickly became an attentive big sister, making up creative games and role play. She was five when Carrie was born and eagerly showered Carrie with extra attention to the point where she was sometimes undermining me. If Carrie wanted something she couldn't have, she would rush to Catherine for comfort. Catherine often found a way to make sure Carrie had her way. Catherine was six when Carrie was diagnosed with celiac disease and learned to read packaging for offending ingredients if I wasn't there. Even their father would sometimes hand something to Catherine and ask, Is Carrie allergic to this? Hydrolyzed plant protein, Catherine might respond. Can't take the chance. She could read that when she was like six, seven years old. And that's even though she went to a French language school. Needless to say, I loved parent-teacher interviews. She was always respectful, always helpful with her peers. I used to actually get a little annoyed because I felt like, at times in elementary school, she was like a free teacher's aide. 
I wanted her to focus on her own achievements. She was always conscientious with her own work, which, I mean, maybe she was too conscientious. At one of her checkups at the doctor, maybe in first or second grade, I told him she was having stomach aches with for, for no apparent reason. Is she an A student, he asked. Yes, I proudly responded. It's probably anxiety, he told me. I see very few D students with stomach aches. Hmm, I think she was trying to be perfect. Was that my fault? Maybe, at least a little. I wasn't a shouty mom or mean, but I was definitely exhausted and busy and trying to do everything possible to ensure they didn't waste their intelligence and talent. I didn't want them to settle for anything less than they deserved. I had standards. You don't have to get straight A's, but you do have to do the work. You have to put in the effort. You don't have to sign up for gymnastics again, but once you start a session, you have to finish the session. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. My daughters do all have an exceptional work ethic, and none of them are afraid to try and keep trying. Maybe they were born this way, and I just caused them stress. I don't know. Catherine also made the most entertaining films featuring her sisters. They were truly entertaining, and I'm not just biased. They really were. She regularly performed dance or improvisation sketches in school assemblies and talent shows. She won public speaking contests back when everyone had to at least try. I was on the Parent-Teacher Association when she was in elementary school, and some of the parents expressed a little bit of outrage that the same children kept winning the public speaking contest. I pointed out that the same children keep getting picked for the basketball team, too. That's life. None of us is good at everything, and we need to learn to accept it and focus on the things we're good at. Her first audition for Blue Water Musical Productions was for a variety show. She sang Figaro in a deep, resonant voice that projected across the room. She had learned it phonetically from the movie Mrs. Doubtfire. It was hilarious and adorable, and the producers decided to add this number to their show. She was only 11. She and the girls had the most wonderful opportunities with Blue Water Musical Productions, not just to play lead roles, but chorus, dance team, all kinds of things. They had so much fun. They learned the discipline of performing in major musical productions. They worked with people of all ages, including adults. 
Unlike some child-focused groups, adults were cast in adult roles. The orchestra was made up of professional musicians. Catherine was their choreographer for multiple shows starting at age 15. She had no problem managing the rehearsals for 50 people, including the adults. She had an eye for what worked, even for non-dancers. She held the participants' attention and earned their respect. One time, the soft-spoken music director, a woman in her 50s, approached Catherine in the dance rehearsal room and said she had to take a break because she was so frustrated with everyone not listening and chatting. I heard about it secondhand, so I'm not exactly sure of the details, but Catherine marched in there and straightened them out. One of Catherine's most hilarious roles was as Ursula Merkel in Bye Bye Birdie. Her comedic sense of timing and physical comedy was the highlight of that show. At one point, there was a technical glitch between scene changes, and Catherine ad-libbed in the almost pitch dark, keeping the audience's attention until it was resolved. This ability was always just a natural gift. When she played one of the wicked stepsisters in Cinderella, someone asked her why she hadn't auditioned for Cinderella herself. I would never want to play Cinderella. Catherine always preferred the comedic roles. One of the other cast members, who was a couple of years older than Catherine, asked if she would write lyrics to a song for her boyfriend. I don't know, maybe it was his birthday or something. And Catherine looked at her and said, Do you want to make fun of him? No, I love him, this girl responded. Catherine told her she was not the right lyricist for that gig. The teens, of course, were not all fun and games, as they seldom are. A defining moment for me was when I was a chaperone on her 8th grade school trip to Chicago, 8th grade being age 13. And I love the teens. I'd worked with teens in theater. It wasn't just my own... I wanted to connect with them. I also understood that they were going through stuff. So I love chatting with them and hearing all their stories. I love hearing them even now when they they get out of school and they walk past the house. I just, I love them. But at one point, maybe it was after the Chicago trip, Catherine told me I need to find my own friends. She was right, of course. The only friends I had were work friends, a few theater friends, who I only saw at work or theater. My mother, who was not well at the time. She passed away when Catherine was 14. And Catherine. It it wasn't fair to her. Of course it wasn't fair. Also, I hadn't grown up in Sarnia. I didn't even have friends from my childhood. And my husband's friends' wives were really not my friends at all as was certainly confirmed after the split. So yeah, even though she was right, isn't it so insightful for a 13-year-old to point that out? It hurt. One of my brothers, who had not yet become a parent himself, said to me, it's always hard for parents when they realize that you like your children a lot more than they like you. Yeah, because when they're babies, you're the center of their universe. And it The shift is difficult. And of course, it's natural for children at a certain age to withdraw, assert their agency and independence. It would be weird if they didn't. And I knew that. But still, sometimes we know things that are disconnected from how we feel about them. And along with that rejection, I guess, 
was the fear. Because as they navigate their teens and gain agency, they take additional responsibility for the natural consequences of their choices. And of course, I worried that some of those natural consequences can be dangerous. I worried that they would settle and lose themselves for diabolical men. I worried about drunk driving, car accidents, sexual assaults, uh, whether they would achieve what they wanted to in life. Catherine had consistently been a straight-A student until she decided to switch her focus to having fun. But there was a sadness in her as well. She went through a trichotillomania phase, which she's talked about, so I'm not spilling any personal tea here, where she pulled out all her eyelashes and eyebrows, snapped angrily at people in the house. I felt as though she shut me out, that she just didn't want to talk to me, so I tried to give her space. I didn't know what the right thing to do was. One of my work friends, Denise, whose teen daughter had been one of my summer babysitters, said, all you can do is love her and kiss her in the face. She would hate that, I protested. Do it anyway, Denise said to me. But I didn't. I probably should have, because even if she hated it, she would have had evidence that I did actually care. And I worried that she might not go away to university. Not that university is for everyone, but I felt that it was what she needed to do. Her last couple of years in high school, her, her grades weren't bad once she switched her focus to having fun, but they weren't high enough for her to be accepted into any program she wanted. I was worried that she would languish in Sarnia, marry someone she eventually wouldn't like, and end up with a lifetime of what-ifs. I didn't want her to be like me. I wanted her to be happy, fulfilled, no regrets. Was I trying to live vicariously through her? Absolutely not. I sincerely just wanted more for her. I knew, well, I felt that I knew she wouldn't be happy with the quote-unquote regular life, and I didn't want her to feel the hollowness that I felt. Thankfully, she applied and went to school in Toronto. I was so annoyed, though, with the application process for the film programs, they would not accept a film as part of the portfolio of the submission. They would only accept artwork. <sighs> and I mean, although Catherine certainly had artistic talent, she did not regularly create visual artwork. She created short films, some for fun, some to celebrate special events, most to accompany school assignments, which was way above and beyond the requirement. Short, highly entertaining films— she created these with an 8mm video camera and a stereo connected to a VHS player connected to the TV. Crude technology, no computer, but well-thought-out, entertaining stories. And isn't, isn't it all about the story? This was her forte. She ended up being accepted at Ryerson into urban and regional planning, and the plan was to coast along in that until she could switch programs. We all knew she would be able to succeed at urban and regional planning, but there was no way she would want to do that for a living. I relished hearing stories from school, a beautiful poem about an encounter with a man who was homeless, stories of her first landlord, Crazy Bonnie, 
her post-Bonnie roommates, handing in an assignment with a picture and perfume, telling one prof her name was Jessica. Yeah, that's right, Jessica Rabbit. Knocking her director's session out of the park in an extra class she had taken after the prof, who referred to her as the cheerleader, wasn't even going to give her a chance to do it. She had to ask him. Another prof who told her to rewrite her essay on her goals because they were too unrealistic. The job where she was expected to do shots with the customers and how she got around it. Her auditions, her electric circus appearance, teens dating show, much music, open mic comedy nights. It was all on. No matter where all this took her, I knew that she would always be able to reflect with no regrets. My girl was back. There were still a few unworthy, even diabolical men, but we all go through that. And the important thing is that you don't dwell on the investment and you get yourself out. Life is too short to be with the wrong person. I actually encouraged her to move to the UK when it came up. What's the worst that can happen, I said. If you hate it, you can come back. Of course, the rest is history. As much as I miss having her and my grandchildren geographically close by, I don't regret her choice. Well, it's not mine to regret, but I don't feel bad about it or wish that she had stayed. Because all along, all I really wanted was for my daughters to be happy and fulfilled. And I can tell you, I am absolutely not surprised, not one shred that Catherine is a successful writer, performer, and comedian. I knew there were no guarantees, and I know that a lot of very hardworking, very talented people don't necessarily manage to succeed in a creative career. But what would have disappointed me would have been if she hadn't at least tried. If you love something, you must try to do that thing. If you end up having to get a regular job to pay the bills, that's okay. Do the thing as a hobby. At least when you're my age, you won't be left wondering, what if? People often say to me, you must be so proud of Catherine. Of course I'm proud of her. But even if all of this hadn't worked out the way it did, I would have been no less proud of her. I'm proud of her courage, her tenacity, her unique way of looking at the world and expressing herself, her willingness to make mistakes, her willingness to admit to her mistakes, her devotion to her children, her kindness, respect, generosity, and her ability to forgive and move on. I only could have been disappointed if she hadn't tried. As much as I would love to take credit for the fabulous woman she is, she is the master of her own destiny. Happy 40th birthday to my baby. I love you. No regrets. If you have anything you'd like to share, feel free to email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.